diving deep into Cardinals baseball with World Series champion Brad Thompson on the Redbird Report podcast on 101 ESPN, driven by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome into the Redbird Report podcast. I'm Brad Thompson. I'm your host, and I'm sitting here. It is Monday morning, April 17th, and the Cardinals have just salvaged a split against the very, very dangerous Pirate team. Now, I say that kind of tongue-in-cheek. The Pirates do look a little bit better, but I think that we can all be pretty honest. The Cardinals haven't looked as good as we expected them to look, at least many of us expected them to look at this point. But currently, the Cardinals are sitting at 7-9. and nine. That puts them in fourth place in the NL Central and four games back of the Milwaukee Brewers, who have had a very hot start. 11-5 and five so far are the Brewers. Now, here is my expert analysis, okay, of why the Cardinals Cardinals are in the position that they're in. And look, maybe this is digging too much into the numbers, but here it goes. I think as a team, I think they're allowing too many runs, and I'm not sure they're scoring enough. I think those are the two big issues for the Cardinals right now. Is that too simplistic? Is that too much of a uh, a very broad, just basic, like, oh, really, look at it? But that kind of is the case right now. And, and really, when you're looking at those two aspects, certainly uh, I'll get more detailed on it. I'm looking at your starting pitching still and allowing too many runs as a group of starters. And when I'm looking at the not scoring runs, I'm looking at the hitting with runners in scoring position. Those are the two things that continue to pop up for the Cardinals. Because overall, offensively, if you look at all the numbers across the board, and I understand that the biggest numbers are wins and runs per game. By the way, runs per game, they haven't done very well there. Runs per game right now for the Cardinals is sitting at... 4.19. 4.19 runs per game. That's 21st in all of baseball. But when you're looking at average, well, they're hit for average. They're hitting 274 as a club. That's tied for fifth. They're fifth in on-base percentage. They're ninth in slugging, right? Like those are just your typical slash line numbers that they're there. They're also tied for one of the lowest K rates. They have the fourth highest line drive percentage, and they're seventh in hard hit rates. Like, these are all good things. These are all positive numbers that would have you believing that they're going to be getting it done, that the offense is going to continue to score. But when you look at being 21st in baseball in runs per game, Well, that is a little bit alarming, and it ends up coming down to runners in scoring position. Cardinals had a lot of opportunities over the weekend against the Pirates, and finally they were able to cash in on some, and we're going to get into Nolan Gorman. Are you freaking kidding me with this kid? He's a monster right now. He's crushing the ball. He ended up tying it up in the 10th inning with a first-pitch ground rule double. Tommy Edmond jumps on a first-pitch single up the middle to win the game. The Cardinals' first walk-off of the year, and boy, a much-needed split with the Pirates. So starting to see some of those positive things. But again, uh, with runners in scoring position, it just hasn't been good enough. It's 19th in average. They're 27th in slug. And they've had the 7th most at-bats with runners in scoring position. And with all those at-bats, they're tied for 19th in extra base hits. That's not extra base hits percentage. That's just extra base hits in total with all of the opportunities they've had. So just has not been the amount of damage that the Cardinals need in that spot. 
is it time to freak out about it? No, it, it's not. It's actually time to probably be patient. I don't know if you guys have heard that one before, but be patient because you got to believe that some of these great at-bats that they've been putting together throughout the course of the season without runners in scoring position will actually happen with runners in scoring position. But overall, offensively, like my level of concern is not incredibly high. And I do kind of wonder where you guys are at offensively with this ball club. Your cornerstones have certainly been solid. The MVP, Goldie, he's still getting on base at a crazy clip. He's hitting 322. Nolan Arenado continues to get it done. He's hitting 333 on the season. By the way, congratulations is in order for Nolan Arenado because he hit 10 years of service time over the weekend. I mean, that is a huge, huge pinnacle to hit. There are, first of all, it's very hard to get to the big leagues in the first place. It's incredibly difficult to stay, even for a couple of years, trust me. Uh, So to do a decade, to play a decade in the big leagues and to do so at a high level, here's this just for context. He just got 10 years of service time in. He's already got 10 gold gloves. Like, it's amazing what he's done. We all know the offensive numbers. So a big congratulations to Nolan Arenado, who also celebrated his 32nd birthday over the weekend. So a pretty big weekend for the Arenado family. So those guys are getting it done. I don't think anybody's shocked by that. Uh, One guy that I believe will get it done, but boy, it's been a pretty slow start for him, is probably Wilson Contreras. Big money, big hype surrounding Contreras. We knew the shoes that he was going to have to fill in Yadier Molina, even though there is no filling those shoes. Like, he had to come in and be himself. And that started out pretty darn good. Remember opening day, he had two knocks, scored a couple of runs, ultimately had to come out of the game because he was hit with a 103-mile-an-hour fastball by Jordan Hicks, who, by the way, we'll get into in a minute because things have not looked good for him. Uh, But in his second game, he missed uh, the Saturday game but came back on Sunday, two more hits in that ball game, scored another one, and then he hit in his next two, right? After that, boy, it felt like he went 0 for April. He got a hit on Friday night night against Pittsburgh and I think he almost killed Stubby Clap with the high five because it had been oh for a long time and he was due and you knew he had been pressing also added two hits in the ball game yesterday so he ends up being three for his last 10 but hopefully signs of good things to come for Wilson Contreras because he's got to be a big part of this middle of the order it is great to see the contributions from other guys on this team especially a guy like Nolan Gorman, who maybe we'll get into a little bit next. But Contreras needs to be a cornerstone in this offense. He needs to be one of the guys that the opposition, when he comes up, like, ah, here he comes again. And he just hasn't been that guy to this point. You look at it right now for Contreras. Overall, he's got 10 hits, only two extra base hits, a pair of doubles. So you're waiting for that damage to come off the bat of Contreras. You know it's there but you want to see it. Hopefully he's easing into things right now, and he needed that. He needed this weekend, and the Cardinals definitely needed that win again with the Pirates, which he contributed to. All right, we just talked about him a second ago. Let's get into Nolan Gorman. How about Storman Gorman? He is getting it done. He's hitting for average, hitting for power. He's getting on base at a crazy high clip. So right now, coming into action, again, I'm doing this on Monday before the Diamondback series, Nolan Gorman is hitting 333. He leads the club with four home runs, and he also leads the club with 14 RBI. And what a swing of the bat it was for him 
in the 10th inning yesterday. First pitch, jumps all over it. Would have ended the game if it weren't for the ground rule double. If that thing hits the fence, the game is absolutely over. Tommy Edmond ended up coming up and playing the hero, which you love to see as well. But you talk about a guy that has just made significant, enormous changes and that's Nolan Gorman. We've talked about it a ton, the adjustments that he's made with the swing. But the, the, to look at his numbers right now, he's third in the National League in slug. He's slugging 667. He's third in OPS. He's got a 1088 OPS. He's tied for fourth in RBI. I told you he's got 14 of those. He's got eight extra base hits. How about this, too? I like this about Nolan Gorman right now. He's very aggressive early. He's got seven first-pitch hits. That's the second most in all of baseball. Only Vlad Guerrero Jr. has more first-pitch hits, and he's been coming up in the clutch. He's hitting 458 with men on base. So everything that you wanted to see out of Gorman, he is doing. And all of the expectations that maybe you had last year for the 22-year-old left-hander, and you're like, oh, well, he doesn't have it. Well, back to a, a phrase that... I hope we don't use a ton this year, but you got to remember to be patient because you learn at this big league level. You learn how to make adjustments. You learn what adjustments to make, and he has made some great ones. You went from a guy last year that would chase everything to one of the lowest chase rates in the game right now in Nolan Gorman, and really he is on your short list of guys that you want up in a big spot right now because he continues to get the job done. How about another bright spot to this offense is the return of Lars Newtbar off the IL. Opening day, he hurt his thumb. He ends up, he comes back, and, well, all he does is hit his first home run of the year. It was a two-run shot yesterday to tie it up at three apiece. And you just think about how much different this lineup can potentially look with Newt in it. You love the bat-to-ball skills that Newt has. You love his ability to climb the ladder and hit the fastball up in the zone that everybody loves to throw. And I think that we'll see him all over the lineup. We saw him batting seventh yesterday, hit the home run, which was awesome, drew three walks, which, I mean, that to me is telling you you're going to see him near if not at the top of the order oftentimes. He can hit leadoff for you. He can certainly be a guy that hits second and sets the table for the other big dogs. He also, I mean, just talked about the home run, he's got tons of power. So thinking of that idea, that power profile with the on-base skills near the top of the order, that's kind of exciting for me. If I'm Ollie Marmel, that's something I'm absolutely thinking about as he eases back into action. And I really do think it is nice to have that added element of having Newt back in, another guy that can do some damage, lengthens out the lineup. Because so I think it also continues to take pressure off your young 20-year-old outfielder who's coming back to earth a little bit in Jordan Walker. Started off his career with the incredible 12-game hitting streak. We're seeing it. You see the raw talent. He's got a lot of it. But you look at the last couple of games, he ends up being one for his last 13. He struck out in six of those. Hasn't drawn a walk in any of those. Really, for the season, he's drawn one walk, and he's punched out 17 times. He loves the ball in, which uh, which we've seen, but he's getting pitched where? Away, right? Everybody knows if you love the ball in, you're going to get it away until you prove that you can drive the ball that way. He can still hit sliders that back up like that's a dangerous pitch but if you got a guy that knows where he's putting the ball specifically you got an off-speed pitch that you could throw down the way you can get Jordan Walker out at this point so that's the next level for him that's the evolution is 
hitting the ball up the middle, hitting it the other way, doing so with authority, and getting the ball in the air. I think that's going to be one of the more interesting things as we watch the progression of Jordan Walker is how does he manipulate his swing a little bit differently to elevate the baseball? And I'm not just talking about softball swing, launch angle, but he beats the ball into the ground a little bit too much. This is a guy that you'd love to see that line drive stroke and he rolls over on a lot of different things. So what adjustments can he end up making? Again, he's 20 years old and doing what he's doing right now at the big league level. Again, be patient. Like some of these big-time power numbers are going to come. Chances are with him they're going to come sooner rather than later. But I think from a coaching standpoint, when it comes to Jordan Walker, you also have to be incredibly patient. Like You want him to go out there and be as comfortable as possible. You don't want to be on top of him after every single at-bat. And it's almost like as a parent, chances are a lot of the times you want the kid to come to you. You could see something and be like, man, boy, this is – I wish he would fix that. But until they want to make a change and, and realize that they maybe need to – they're, they might not listen. I'm not saying Jordan is a, a, an awesome, awesome young player, and he listens, he respects his coaching staff, but he's had nothing but success his whole life at hitting a baseball. So he might get to the point where it says, okay, now what adjustment do I need to make at this level? Just like we talked about with Nolan Gorman, the adjustments that he's made. But again, coming back to earth a little bit, he's still going to get a ton of playing time, and rightfully so, and he's going to get a chance to work through these things at the big league level. But I'm excited to have Newt back because it adds another level, right? Jordan Walker, there's no reason right now to rush him up in the order. You can take your time and let him continue to figure out the big leagues and big league pitchers and how they're attacking him and how does he get his swing on a plane that is best conducive for the results that he wants, and he's going to have time to do so. All right, let's shift gears a little bit. Let's go to the pitching staff and specifically the starting staff because a better turn around, at least against the Pirates. When you looked at it, Montgomery, he ended up going six and a third and only two earned runs. That was Montgomery's second quality start. By the way, that was the second quality start of the entire staff for the year. Jake Woodford. In a game where I absolutely 100% believe that Jake was pitching for his big league job, he goes out there and gets the job done. Five and a third, zero earned runs against the Buccos. Remember, Matthew Libertor has been throwing the ball very well at AAA. I think that would have been an easy switch for them to make had he not thrown well, and he did. So I'm happy for Jake. Steven Matz goes out there. You don't love the five walks that he ended up having, but he went five and two-thirds, gave up two earned runs. Again, gave you a chance to win. And a bounce back for Miles Michaelis, who needed a bounce back badly. This year has not gone the way of Miles Michaelis. Five and two-thirds yesterday, three er, three runs, two earned, and he punched out four in his five and two-thirds. So this time around, I mean, these aren't numbers to write home about necessarily, but they're a lot better than they were before. You look at right now overall the Cardinals starting pitching. This is a starting staff that has a five ERA for their starters. That's 21st in all of baseball. Here's an interesting number for you, though, because we looked at a series where the bullpen was short. Ollie had to kind of extend certain guys because other pitchers weren't available. And the biggest thought is, hey, your your bullpen is short because your starting pitchers aren't doing their job. Well, I thought this number was interesting. 5.29. 5.29 innings pitch per game start 
for the Cardinals starters. You know where that ranks in Major League Baseball, the 5.29 innings pitch per game start? That ranks ninth. They are in the top 10 right now of innings pitch per game start for the pitchers. Like, I, I found that incredible. Now, it's a relative thing, right? They're getting innings relatively to the rest of the league. The league has changed a lot. We know how different teams utilize their bullpens, but I just found that fascinating that the Cardinals find themselves within the top 10 in innings for their starters because it just hasn't felt that way. It just felt like the relievers are working so much, and I think that a lot of that feeling is so many close games where you got to use your high-leverage relievers. That's what it feels like. I feel like there are so many games where Cardinals offense wasn't able to get the job done, and then you got to rely heavily again on Gio and Helsley and Verhagen, who's found himself in this mix, and Zach Thompson, who has been one of the best freaking pitchers in the game. A big fan of what he's doing right now, but you continue to have to rely on those guys because your offense isn't getting it done at the clip that you want it. But I just found that fascinating that they are getting innings. It's just kind of relative to the rest of the league. But they're not quality innings from the starters. We all know that. Their whip is 1.64 for those that don't know, and I know you all know. But whip is walks and hits per inning pitch. So basically it's just how much traffic is out there. That's the third worst in baseball. The opposition is hitting 305. 305 against the Cardinals starters. That is 29th in all of baseball. The only team that has a worse average against for their starters is the Cincinnati Reds. That's not really the company I would like the Cardinals starters to keep. I feel like they should be a little bit better than that. They feel like they should be a little bit better than that. And hopefully this last turn around the rotation is a positive one. Tonight it's going to be Jack Flaherty on the mound. I thought Jack made really big strides his last time out in a place that is at times impossible to pitch at Coors Field. Jack ended up going five and a third in that game against the Rockies. Five hits. He only gave up one earned run, only walked one. As we all know, that has been a bit of an issue. He had walked 13 batters in his previous 10 innings coming into that start against the Rockies, and he punched out a season-high six. So slider looked really good for Jack. He was throwing that thing for strikes when he wanted to. The cutter was very effective. But the biggest thing is he actually had fastball command, and he was commanding some counts. So all positives when it came to Jack last time out. He's got an opportunity tonight against the Brewers to get it done. By the way, a quick update on Adam Wainwright and his return from the groin strain that he suffered while training during the World Baseball Classic. Adam Wainwright is set to make his rehab start Wednesday. He's going to be doing so in AA Springfield. Uh, it was originally set to be Tuesday, but it's going to allow him to increase his pitch count from his bullpen session. So continuing the buildup, continuing to build his way back. Don't know exactly how that changes the overall landscape, how much better your rotation gets top to bottom. I know you get your leader back, and I know that you get a guy that can, even when he doesn't have his best stuff, he knows how to pitch. He knows how to get people out, and I look forward to hopefully quickly getting Adam Wayne right back in the fold. Hey, I did want to hit on the bullpen mix really fast because in large part this group has done a good job. We talked about Drew Verhagen really emerging as a late-inning leverage guy we know what Helsley brings. We know what Gallegos is. He hasn't been scored upon yet this season. All these guys at the back end are very solid. Zach Thompson 
keeps getting it done. Eight and a third, 11 punch outs for Thompson. I mean, he has looked great. He is your go-to lefty out of the pen. One of your go-to guys, left-handed, right-handed, doesn't matter. I know that Ollie and Dusty, they trust him in any spot right now, the way that he's throwing the ball. Did want to hit on one bad thing, which you guys know I don't like doing, but Jordan Hicks has had an awful season to this point. You look at the numbers for Jordan Hicks on the year. He's pitched in seven games, five and two-thirds innings pitch. He's given up 11 hits to this point. He's walked eight, and he's struck out six. That ain't going to do it. That's not going to cut it, especially for a guy that is supposed to be a late-inning leverage reliever. Last time out, he picked up the loss in extra innings against the Pirates, lasted a third of an inning, ended up giving up two earned runs, three runs total, and highlighted by a home run off the bat of Andrew McCutcheon in what was a very interesting at-bat. What made it interesting was that Andrew McCutcheon saw seven pitches. He saw zero fastballs from a guy that throws 100 on average, with tons of sync, zero fastballs. That's crazy. That is absolutely nuts that that can happen. I guess I would get it if your breaking ball is just lights out, you got an incredible feel for it, but that's just not the case right now with Jordan Hicks. I understand that he doesn't have a great feel for his fastball either. He's been erratic with it, but that's his best pitch. I mean, that's your bread and butter. I just personally, I can't get beat in that spot without my best pitch. So it was seven pitches, six of which were sliders. One of them was a changeup. He started him off with a slider. It was a backup breaking ball, ball one. Slider again, ball two. He was under it, missed above the zone. Another slider, misses again. Could have been a strike, uh, but uh, top of the zone, didn't get the call. Then fourth pitch, backup slider, called a strike. Fifth pitch, backup, called a strike. Sixth pitch, this is where he mixes it up a little bit, a, a wrinkle. He throws a changeup here. Top of the zone, not much life on it, and gets fouled off, luckily. And uh, count remains, right? Seventh pitch is the slider again. It's elevated, and it's a home run. The sequence itself made zero sense to me. Absolutely zero sense. Now, in fairness, I don't know what he's feeling. I don't know what they're telling him. I don't know if they said, hey, look, McCutcheon, he's going to struggle against this. Your slider just profiles. I don't know. I just know that it makes zero sense on the outside looking in that you can have an at-bat like that. And I just gave you the overall numbers of Hicks. they got to do something. you got to do something with him. You can't just send him down. He's got over five years of service time, so he has to accept that. You could just let him go if you wanted to. Would you want to let go of a guy that throws 102 with the upside that he has? I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to try to clear him through waivers. I don't think that he would last. So it, it's they got to fix him. they got to fix him quickly. I mean, this is going to be one of the most urgent things for Dusty Blake, the Cardinals pitching coach, to figure out is how can they turn Jordan Hicks back into a weapon because you're going to need him. Like you can't have right now – with as much as your back end of the bullpen has been working with all of these tight games, you can't have a guy that is like hands-off. It's like, oh, we're up a touchdown or down a touchdown. Now we can get him in to work on things. You can't afford that. You can't afford to have that in your pen right now. So Hicks has got to figure it out. they got to help him figure it out, and they got to do so quickly. But the Cardinals back at it again tonight. As we mentioned earlier, it's going to be Jack Flaherty against Merrill Kelly. 
The following game is going to be Jordan Montgomery against Dre Jamison, the rookie right-hander. And on the finale on Wednesday afternoon, Jake Woodford looking to build upon his very solid outing last time against the lefty Madison Bumgarner. So hopefully a very good series for the Birds against the Diamondbacks who come in leading leading the NL West at 9-7 and seven right now. They're not a team to be taken lightly. Their starting pitching is good. They've got some young talent. I'm looking forward to watching Corbin Carroll, the young slugger. He's got big-time speed. So it's going to be a fun series. Hopefully we've got all kinds of great stuff to break down later in the week. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Brad Thompson. This is the Redbird Report. You've been listening to the Redbird Report podcast with Brad Thompson on 101 ESPN. Driven by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Check out every episode at 101ESPN.com or on your 101 mobile app.